Welcome to the Autism Dad Podcast. I'm Rob Gorski, and this show is inspired by my own personal journey as a single dad raising three autistic kids. It's all about special needs parenting, the challenges that we face every day, and some of the things we have to learn to navigate. This season, we're going to put a major focus on empowering parents. So we're going to talk about things related to services, supports, and resources, all those things that are very, very important when it comes to raising a special needs child. So thank you for taking the time to tune in, grab a snack, pop in some earbuds, sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. On this week's episode, I'm going to answer one of your listener questions. And I'm just going to start off by telling you guys uh, a couple of things about what went into making this episode. Uh, I had a really hard time with this. Um, part of it is due to like, I struggle with ADHD and it really has an impact on recording these episodes. So, uh, there's a lot of work that goes into recording a podcast episode, especially when you're doing it on your own. And it's, uh, you know, I strive for perfection and it really can be difficult for me sometimes and it gets overwhelming. And as I'm looking at this timeline, there's like 63 versions of this episode that uh, I went through before I got to this one. And it's embarrassing, you know, I don't, I don't like that I operate that way. Um, but I want you guys to know that uh, I put a lot of thought into this stuff. And when you guys ask questions, there a lot of times they really, you know, they make me think and they make me kind of step back and take a look at what I've done over the years or how I parented my kids. And I recognize that I could have done things differently. And, and today is one of those days. And so it was hard because of the ADHD stuff, but it was also hard because you guys really made me think. And I just, I've made mistakes that I'm not proud of. And, you know, I thought I was doing the right thing at the time, but it's made life harder for my kids as they've gotten older. And um, recognizing that and admitting that and accepting that is, it sucks. I mean, it really does. It sucks. Uh, but I don't shy away from, you know, airing my mistakes and shining a light on the things I've done wrong because my hope is that you guys can learn from that and maybe avoid some of those same pitfalls that I, you know, wasn't able to uh, because nobody was doing that back then. So, um, you know, as we go into this, just know that I, I really kind of, I just sort of let go and, and just answered the questions as, as best I could, uh, based on my experience. You know, I have three teenagers, I have two teenagers. Oh my God, I have two teenagers and an adult. So my kids are now, for those of you who don't know, my kids are 14, 16 and 23. And <laughs> this question was really relevant. I think it was inspired by the fact that I've been talking a lot about the transitional things that we're going through with my oldest and, you know, navigating the teenage years with my other two kids. So. Uh, I really hope this helps you guys and uh, please keep your questions coming. I really appreciate it. So we're going to just go ahead and, uh, and drop into the question. So today's question was, what can I do to help prepare my kids for adulthood and when should I start to do it? And, you know, I, I think yeah, it's such a tough question to answer for so many reasons. Everybody's situation is different. You know, my situation is different than yours. Um, your support levels might be different than mine. And, you know, the resources that you have at your disposal to help your kids prepare for adulthood may be different than what I have or what someone else has. But I think there's a couple of things that I regret when I look back on my parenting style that I wanted to share with you because hopefully you can, you can learn something from, 
from the insights that I've gained over the last 20 years. And it can help you to maybe to, to pause and reevaluate what you're doing with your kids. So there, in my opinion, there is no age that you start preparing your kids for adulthood. It isn't like they turn 10 and you flip the switch and you're like, okay, we're going to start preparing you to live on your own or for a job or whatever. I, I really feel that we should be preparing our kids for adulthood from the moment they're born. We only have so much time with our kids. And I, and I'm, and I'm not suggesting that we rob them of their childhood or that we, uh, you know, solely focus on prepping them to be adults. But I do think that we can employ techniques along the way that will allow us to teach them things in everyday life. And my hope is by sharing some of my mistakes that I've made along the way, uh, you guys can kind of gain some insight without having to go through it yourself, right? Like I didn't have that luxury when I was going through this and I didn't have anybody sharing uh, stuff like this back you know, 20 years ago when my oldest was diagnosed. And um, I hope to be able to provide that for you. And that's what I've been trying to do over the last 10 or 15 years. And, you know, when it comes to answering this question, I think the best way that I can do that is by sharing some of the things that I regret doing as a parent that would have helped my kids be better prepared for adulthood. So one of the biggest mistakes that I made was parenting autism rather than parenting my kids. Uh, what do I mean by that? So huh, this is really, this is really tough for me. Um, when my kids were younger, they struggled with many of the same challenges that a lot of your autistic kids uh, may struggle with. A lot of sensory issues, a lot of um, needing that strict structure and routine, uh, avoiding any type of change, navigating social situations, um, being very easily overstimulated by any number of things. And, you know, a lot of that culminates in meltdowns, right? And, and like many of you out there listening, I felt guilty that my kids were experiencing all these things. And so rather than help them through them or help them find ways of overcoming them or just better ways of, of coping with some of these challenges, I helped them to avoid them altogether. And, and so just as an example that's relevant today, uh, sensory issues are a huge problem. They were a huge problem then. They're still a huge problem now. And the biggest part of that revolves around food. And so I would uh, feed my kids only the things that they wanted to eat. And that menu is very limited. Oftentimes it was either chicken nuggets or little Caesar's pizza. And if they found something that they didn't like, I would remove it and give them something that they did like, you know, if it was something that I made, I would remake it as many times as it took in order to have that be palatable for them because I felt like it's not their fault. It's a sensory issue and I just need them to eat. Like I worry that they weren't eating enough and all those things. So like I, I thought I was doing the right thing. But what has happened is that as a result of that, uh, my kids have not learned to better navigate that. And so, you know, as, as older kids, if they, you know, they still have a relatively limited menu, they're doing much better, but they still have a limited menu. And if they come across something that is sensory offensive to them or doesn't taste the way that they thought it would, or doesn't look the way that, you know, they thought it would. And, uh, it's very similar to when they were little, they don't know how to navigate it. They don't know how to overcome that or, or how to get through it. So they just sort of freeze and they won't eat. 
And that's a problem. I mean, it's a problem. And I'm not suggesting that I could have done something that would have eliminated the sensory issue because you probably can't. But I could have helped them to better navigate that, to better work through that process, you know, to have a plan in place where they could, okay, this isn't going to work. I need to send it. If we're at a restaurant, I need to send it back and order something different instead. Or if they're at home uh, and there's something that they just don't, they don't like, instead of not eating, we can move to something else. You know, I mean, they're, they're just basic life skills that most kids have that a lot of kids with autism and this particular challenge can struggle with. And rather than allow them to, to work through that or to even challenge them a little bit, I did everything I could to make their life easier in the moment because ultimately it made my life easier. And this is just one example. I mean, I, I did this for all kinds of things, whether it was adhering to a routine, even if it like hugely inconvenienced me or made my life more difficult just because I didn't want them to have to learn to deal with uh, managing the change that they were so uncomfortable with. I did the same thing with other sensory issues, like with socks and shoes and shirts and all kinds of stuff. I mean, I bought hundreds of pairs of socks just so that three or four of them would work, you know, rather than trying to work through the problem, I just avoided the problem. And so now, you know, I'm dealing with older kids who are facing difficulties in these areas because I didn't allow them to, to work through when they were younger. I didn't help them to work through when they were younger. And, you know, it felt like the right thing to do, but as they're older now, I realized that it wasn't. Um, and so that's, that's my, probably my biggest, my biggest regret was not allowing them to have these experiences, uh, because it would have made life easier for them as they got older. It's all things that are fixable. You know, um, we work on that stuff now and we're making a lot of progress, but it's a lot harder when they're older, you know? So, um, that's the first part of this. The second thing has to do with accountability. And I know for whatever reason, this tends to be a controversial idea, uh, in this community and I'll get some pushback on this, but that's okay because I used to believe the same thing. And it wasn't until my kids got older that I realized that not holding them accountable was a problem. Um, and so I just want to share a little bit about what I have learned along the way. So when my kids were younger, um, I used to make excuses for problem behavior. I would just say, well, they're autistic. They can't, you know, control themselves or they have ADHD. They're impulsive. It's not their fault. And I would allow them to do things and say things that were they neurotypical or without a diagnosis, they never would have gotten away with. And that's a problem. It really is a problem. And even worse, my kids have overheard me use that excuse when they were little so often that they have begun to use it themselves as they've gotten older. Like, you know, if I'm trying to address a problem or I'm trying to correct a behavior or talk to them about, you know, why they can't do something, I will sometimes get, well, dad, I'm autistic. I don't understand that. Or dad, I have ADHD. I can't help it. And it's like, oh, come on, guys. Like, uh, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. And and they only do that because it's what they did their whole life. It's what I did their whole life. And that's a problem. You know, whether your child has a disability, whether it's autism, ADHD, like whatever it is, they're still kids and kids need to be held accountable for their actions. And, you know, sometimes autistic kids make decisions and they have behaviors that have nothing to do with autism. And when we, when we lump everything together, we end up making excuses for behaviors that are really problematic that are just bad choices. Uh, you know, I know there's a lot of pushback on this idea of, of holding 
kids with disabilities accountable for things. But the reality is it's our job to prepare our kids for a life without us. And I don't like talking about that or thinking about it any more than you do, but we're not always going to be here. And the world is a very unforgiving place and they have to be prepared to navigate it. And part of that preparation is that we are held accountable for our actions. There are laws, there are all kinds of rules and restrictions that guide society. And our kids do not get a free pass just because they have a disability. And the sooner we instill those values in them, the better off they're going to be so that when they reach their teenage and adult years, they are better equipped to navigate uh, society. You know, we need to let our kids fall so that they can learn to pick themselves back up, right? Like that's, that's that process. We all have to do that. We all have to fall so that we can learn to pick ourselves back up. It's how we learn from our mistakes. And if we rob our kids of this kind of opportunity to learn and grow at an early age, then it's only going to be more difficult to try and fill in these gaps or, or teach these lessons as they get older because they hit their teenage years like I'm dealing with now and like many of you are dealing with now. And teenagers are tough, right? They're hormonal. They think they know everything. They don't want to listen to their parents. They want to do everything on their own. And without this sort of foundation of you know, some of these basic life skills, that can be hugely problematic and much more challenging for them. And it can make navigating the world a lot harder. And we don't want that for them. You know, I mean, we want our kids to uh, venture out into the world and be productive members of society, you know, to whatever level their capacity allows them to be. And, you know, so when, when you ask me, how do I prepare my kids for adulthood? And when should I start to do it? The simple answer is the moment our kids are born, we should assume that they're going to grow up to be adults. And with that in mind, we need to do everything we can along the way to help prepare them to live in a world without us in it, right? And I know we hate to think about that, but it's it's the reality. I mean, we're not going to be here uh, forever. And we want our kids to be okay when we're not. As far as how we do this, it's going to be different for everyone, right? I mean, you're going to have, your life is different. Your kids uh, are different than mine. And everyone's journey is unique. And every kid has a different capacity, a different potential, right? But my advice is to parent your child and not their diagnosis. Don't allow the diagnosis to keep you from holding your kids accountable for their actions. You know, Again, everything has to be done within the developmental level of your child, and it needs to be appropriate and uh, fair because we don't hold our kids accountable for things that they have no control over. But we got to find that balance, right? When they make a bad decision, we need to hold them accountable so that they learn, right? So we help them to to make better decisions going forward. That's how it works. And I think that if we do these basic things, it's at least a foundation to build from, and our kids we'll be better for it. Our lives will be easier, you know, as parents and our kids will be better prepared for the world when we're not there. And I know everyone's mileage is going to vary with this, but I just, I just feel like these are basic things. And, you know, when you're asking me these questions and I'm looking back on my life and my parenting journey, these are things that I would have done differently. And they're the big ones for me. Uh, so I hope this helps. And please keep your questions coming. You know, I love to answer them as, as best that I can. And I know it really helps other parents out there who have the same question and maybe no one to ask. And 
and uh, you know we can help each other learn as as we go. And I think it's important we learn from each other's experiences. I think that's a really powerful thing, and it's empowering for us as parents. And uh, I really appreciate you guys taking the time to to send those my way. Real quick, before I let you go, I just want to say thank you for tuning in. I, I really appreciate it, and I hope you enjoyed this episode, and it has a positive impact on your life, because that's what I'm aiming for here. As a reminder, you can visit listen.theautismdent.com. You can learn about me and anything related to the show. You can subscribe on any one of your favorite podcast listening apps so you never miss a new episode. And please take a moment and rate us on Apple Podcasts. There'll be a link in the show notes below for you just to click and it'll take you right there. It takes like 30 seconds and it makes a big difference. So it's a great way to support the show and uh, help keep the wheels turning. So have a great week and we'll talk soon.